Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins podcast. Just a wee bit of housekeeping first, folks. Uh, we apologise. Um, we were meant to get two episodes out to you last week, but unfortunately um, we had some difficulties with recording the audio. Um, as you know, we're still a young podcast and some, sometimes um, we're still trying to figure some things out. And for some reason, just some of the audio did not record mm-hmm. last week for whatever reason. Um, so there was actually meant to be a full hour and a half long episode um, of the Bottom Bins last week. So we do apologise for that. Um, but we hope that you enjoyed the, the top 10 players list anyway. Um, so look, we have some more Premier League um, fixtures and games to divulge, um, dissect, make our way through. So I'm just going to start at the first game of the game week. Manchester United were successful, um, claiming a 2-0 victory over Everton at Old Trafford, keeping the top four hopes well and truly alive. And to be honest, boys, I think we can all agree it really could have been 9, 10, 11. Easily. Yeah, easily. Definitely. Oh, it was a great game. Great game. Um, and off the back of a great result against Brentford. Um I was at the game and I really enjoyed it. And United just played brilliant um, and they just kept that momentum going against Everton, which I think a lot of United fans, is, is well, I know for personally, I was quite skeptical when I seen the starting lineup and I seen one in particular name on it, um, Harry Maguire. Yeah. Look, he done a fantastic job in my opinion. Again, Everton, everything that was asked of him, he made sure he got rid of it. He made sure he'd done the right thing. His passing was good. Um, can't fault him at all for his performance. One of the players I want to mention, Jaden Sancho, was absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. um, against good. Everton. Probably his be- one of his best performances in the United shirt, I would say. Um, he had players on the floor, left, right and centre. He, he just showed us what he can actually do. Yeah. And Hopefully, I know we've said it loads of times whenever he's had one or two decent performances, hopefully he can kick on and show us the Jaden Sancho that was at Borussia Dortmund. Anthony? Another brilliant performance from him. I thought he played very well against Brentford. Look, he didn't get the goal that he tried so hard to get, but he's just doing better. And I like that dynamic of that front three. Um, So if we were to... I know Rashford's injured now, but that could be something that will entice United fans going forward, excite them. Um, But then, look, Rashford's injured, but Martial stepped up. Mm -hmm. Martial, back to fitness... Eric Ten Hag didn't rush him back into the starting lineup, um, but look, he's going to be called upon now, especially after getting a good goal against Everton and his hold up play and all was good. Um, an overall good performance from Manchester United and long may it continue in a crucial, crucial point of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Everton is the team that Martial loves to play against the most. Um, eight goal contributions in 16 games yeah. against Everton. Um, so they are definitely, uh, I know before the game kicked off, me and Mincy were in Red Nets watching it and he was saying, like, if there's one person you don't want to see come on against Everton, it is Anthony Martial because he just relishes, relishes playing against them. Um, I did, I, I thought, bringing Martial back into the team, he's looked very, very positive in, in the three performances that we've seen from him so far. I, For me personally, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I do like Veghorst, um, but I just prefer the dynamic when Martial's up front. I think his holding up of the ball is, is a lot better than Veghorst, mm. and I do think he brings people into play a lot more um, than what Veghorst does. And more crucially, I think he's better in front of goal yep. than, than Veghorst is, to be honest. Um, thought United were really, really good, um, but you'd swear it was like watching a Sunday league game. Um, mm-hmm. It was the same thing that was beating Everton all the time. Over the top. Uh, the over yeah. the top ball. I think Bruno is that sort of deep line playmaker. It's been a Fantastic. it's been a good experiment. At mm-hmm. least you can see, look, when Casemiro's not on the field, we still have the, the ability in midfield to 
to create and to, to shut up shop as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Everton only really had the one chance in the game um, with Ellis Sims. Mm -hmm. uh, he was disappointed that that, that didn't even hit the target. Mm. Um, but look, I thought United were really, really good. I thought Anthony held his width really well. I think, uh, again, just on touching on Sancho, the confidence was there. He had the confidence to take men on and, and seems to have the ability to um, take men on now, which is, again, very positive thing. thought his assist for McTominay was very good. And even McTominay himself has been excellent these last what few games. What a baller, boys, honestly. <laughs> At, I, I said to you in the car on the way up here yesterday, Warren, I think this is his farewell tour. You know, he's yeah. he's given the fans a couple of performances to remember him. He's back him, in mate. the wallet, boys. <laughs> <laughs> he's back in the wallet. Good to see you, Scott. Yep. <laughs> well, he has. Look, I think this is the farewell tour. He's given the fans a few good performances to remember him by. Um and it, it was a good performance against Everton, I have to say. Covered every blade of grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alongside Sabitzer. Alongside Sabitzer. Yeah. Well. Look, I just think it's a positive result for United. You know, sometimes these games, especially because Everton are fighting to stay in the Premier League, sometimes you do need to bring your A game against, you know, lower opposition. But I thought United did everything that they could to win the game. My only criticism of United is that I feel like they could have been a lot more clinical in front mm. of goal. Rashford missed a number of big opportunities. Mm. Anthony missed Anthony. a number of big opportunities as well. Wambasaka. Wambasaka, oh, but <laughs> I, I, I'm not too annoyed at that yeah. one because you know Wambasaka is not known for his goal scoring ability. But that is probably my biggest criticism of United. You know, if that is up against you know stronger opposition, you need to put them, those yeah. chances away. Yeah. And I think you know Ten Hag said it as well after the game. They need to be more clinical in yeah. front of goal. Yeah. That's where a key striker is missing, especially if. Ellis Sims had to score that goal against Everton and we went 1-0 down. Definitely. Could have been a really different game. Exactly. exactly. But it is the best we've seen United attack in a while because we've been saying in recent weeks how poor, like against Newcastle, they created nothing. Yeah. Against, you know, even against Brentford, they played okay, but they didn't really create all that much. But they had 21 shots in the first half. And as you said, they should have been out of sight at half-time mm -hmm. and, you know, luckily won the game. But I, I thought Everton were... Very poor. Like, you know, usually with Everton, you'd expect them to be robust and really good at the back. But even, like, the second goal, James Coleman's mistake was just really poor. I know Rashford done well to get it in, and then Martial, good finish. But um, Everton unbeaten at 5-2, and they were playing really well, but I thought they were really poor. And they came out, they kind of came out, like, as you said, like a Sunday league team. Like, like they were just trying to attack a lot. It yeah. seemed like, let's get at United, when you thought, like, oh, they would have turned the crowd. But for United, it is a big win, and it was, it was good to see. And as you said, like... I thought Bruno played really well and Anthony and Sancho, we need them boys back Fire, playing well yeah, and especially definitely. I do like Martial more in the team if he can stay fit. He does offer a lot more I think than Whitehorse to be honest. Um, and he's kind of underrated, like he does he does put players under pressure too, he does he does work hard. It's kind of like maybe his demeanour at times player, people kind of turn against him but he, he does work hard for the team and if he gets his chance he will finish. Um, but for United, the problem's not at home because this season, hmm. no competitions, they've only lost Fortress, twice. Yeah. You know, they've won 23, drawn three and lost two. Um, I think the losses was like the first game of the season yeah. and one against Real Sociedad, which was never handball. Mm -hmm. So they've been really good at home. It's just they need to bring this form away from home mm -hmm. and they'll definitely get top four. Yeah. You know, do if you they keep think, playing like this. Do you think that, well, I personally think, especially for that Everton game, that the real kind of shift in tempo was more, it, it started from defence and I think it started with Aaron Wan-Bissaka starting right back. I think he has offered so much to United in recent weeks. Definitely. You know, Dallow had that excellent start to the season, but I have been really, really yeah. disheartened with Dallow these mm. last few months, especially. Really, from his comeback from the World Cup, yeah. I don't think Dallow has been great. Mm. And Wan-Bissaka has just um, stepped it up a level. Again, I think that speaks to the coaching at Manchester United. 
you, I, I never seen this type of player in Wambasaka. Someone who was comfortable with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. That that was not Wambasaka, and now it's like a, a completely different story. Look, he still has frailties going forward. We know that mm-hmm. can't cross a ball to save his life. Well, he's working on it, <laughs> but he is he working. He's working. No, on you can see he's more confident now. Yeah. Like maybe in ten hacks, put that in him. Exactly. You know, I think with Dallow, like we said against Newcastle, he was dreadful. Um, even like he went up for a header against Don Burns. He's not, maybe not the smartest with Juan Bissaka mm-hmm. in there. I feel a lot more confident, mm-hmm. you know, defensively especially. Yeah. Yeah. And then as going forward now, there's not that frailty as much. You know, Dallo is a better player going forward, but I think, you know, Dallo defensively is nowhere near Juan Bissaka. Yeah. And he was a weak point in the team at times. I know people like to say, oh, Dallo's, you know, good and all, but yeah. I've seen a few performances in Dallo that haven't been good this season. Like yeah. he was very good off this, this you know, off, at the start of the season, but, Recently, the the work up. I think he's been very, yeah, very average to be honest. No, like Wamasakas gave us that stability, but mm. one of the key moments that I that sticks out in my head about the game was his pass to McTominay. Like it was a half chance, but Wamasaka two Everton men out in him on, on the right wing, uh, close to in, in towards the box, and McTominay made a dart and run towards the byline. And somehow Bambasaka found him and like mm. McTominay tried to pass it back to Sabitzer, he probably should have squared it over to Rashford. Him and it doesn't matter. But that pass just for me showed this fellow's willing to learn. Obviously yeah. under Acton yeah. Hag. This yeah. was a fellow who was gone in January. He was as good yeah. as gone. Yeah. Everybody knew he was being sold. It was all over the press. We're looking for a new right back. Wambasaka's gonna be sold. But he's made his way back into the team and yeah. United fans are on his are, are backing him once again which is good to see like well currently you would say you know if they are going to go for Frimpong mm-hmm. in the summer yeah. which it looks like they are going to yeah. do to be honest Frimpong will immediately come in and be your starting right back yeah, definitely. and at the minute if I want one of the two to stay as my uh, cover right back I would prefer Wan-Bissaka to stay to be honest I, I was going to just put that question to you I think he was definitely Wan-Bissaka was a big miss against Newcastle as well 100% you know, because on maximum we've seen him in the um in the League Cup final, yeah. how good he was. Dallow was so poor in that yeah. first half, gets yeah. booked early. You know, I think he was a big miss in that game. Um, but I, I would say that too. I think Frank Bong will come in and I would rather have Wan-Bissaka as the backup. Yeah. You know, defensively just better. And then totally agree. I have to give credit to, like, I'm not a big Scott McTominay fan, but he is starting to play a bit better. Baller he seems that. to be on the front foot a bit more. He got a goal. I still think he's, you know, defensively not the best. I think, as you said, it, he will go at the end yeah. of the season and... He's just adding to the price tag, yeah, which exactly. is a positive. And I think there will be teams in for him because you kind of see in it now, playing a bit more forward, he, he's not a bad finisher. He used to be a striker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, against Spain, he played very well as well, yeah. you know. So he got a goal again. as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. moving on then to Anfield, um, where Liverpool managed to salvage a last gasp 2-2 draw with league leaders Arsenal. Yeah. Um, really one of those games where... I personally, for me, I thought Arsenal again, like United, should have had the game out of sight at half time. Really, we're playing the much better football. But I, I think you know, if it's one one thing you can give Liverpool credit for against the top teams this year, when they come to Anfield, they do make themselves hard to beat. That mm. there is something about that Anfield atmosphere that sort of gets the players g'd up almost mm-hmm. and yep. and you know anything is possible i think this season has proved you know anything in this league is possible and they did manage to well and truly come back against arsenal and, and probably in the end up deserving of of, of a point 
Absolutely, absolutely. For, for the neutral football fan, that was one of the best games you're going to see. Yeah. And it was. I, I loved the game. It was brilliant. Um, but I agree. Half-time, I was expecting, especially after Arsenal went 2-0 up, I was thinking, they're going to get three or four here. Like This is going to be a whitewash against uh, Liverpool in their own backyard. But everybody's talking about this moment between Trent Alexander-Arnold and Granit Xhaka, which erupt, made, the, made the fans uh, erupt at Anfield. Um, got them back. Uh, uh, look, we all know. That's a 12th man. Mm-hmm. Anfield yeah. support is ridiculous. It's a 12th man. Um, look, Trent Alexander-Arnold, we give him a lot of stick. And rightfully so defensively. In fairness, he's, he's not a good defender. But Trent was probably the main reason that Liverpool got back into that game. Like that second goal, his assist for the second goal where he completely took out... Who, who was it? Sinchenko. Ah, Sinchenko. He Tier- nutmegged him or something, didn't he? Tierney was waiting Tierney on the sideline. He was waiting on the sideline. Yeah. He was coming on there. Yeah. And he got skinned just before. Sinchenko crying his eyes out on the bench afterwards as well. Um, yeah, brought it back to 2-2. And it's a testament to Jurgen Klopp, who we've criticised as well in this podcast quite a lot because, look, you can't always just put the burden on the players. Um but it's a testament to Jurgen Klopp. His substitutes worked. Thiago changed the tempo in midfield. Yeah. It's a big addition back for, for Liverpool now in the in the last stretch of the season. Um, but Bobby Firmino, um, when he came on, he changed the game. Well, that's the thing. It, it's, it, the subs were fantastic, yeah. but it was the tactical change in yeah. the second yeah. half. Going to a 3-5-2 mm-hmm. really suited Liverpool. Yeah. And it makes you sort of look at it and go... Well, why don't they play like that more often? Yeah. It frees up their, their you know, their fullbacks become auxiliary right and left midfielders mm-hmm. and it allows them to do the elements of their game that they are good at. Yeah. We we both know or sorry, I said we both we all know here that Trent has frailties defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None more so than for the Martin Helly goal, to be honest. For for me this game showed you the the the, the the dark side and the light side of Trent. What you've seen was incredible attacking transitions, the ability to put a ball into the box, the ability to beat a man as mm-hmm. well, which is something I think he does go unrecognised for. He isn't afraid to take men on. But then at the same time, you also see the dark side of him in in, in the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it completely switches off. It's, it's almost as if he doesn't want to defend. And you're kind of looking at a player like that and you, you're maybe saying to yourself, is a position change something that Liverpool might explore with the likes of Trent, you know, is that going to be a realistic um, talking point for Liverpool over the summer? Is he a right-back? Are they going to be better off maybe buying another right-back and pushing Trent maybe a bit further on up, mm. up the pitch? Because that's where he's most effective. Um, but I thought the tactical switch to the three-five-two with Firmino in behind sort of Salah and Nunes, I think it worked really, really well for yeah. Liverpool. Definitely. I thought in the first half, like Liverpool kind of played in Dorsal's hands, you mm. know, the way they were playing. They're play- they played his high line. They got caught out. Van Dijk made a few mistakes. 2-0 and agree Arsenal should have had the game dead buried and you know like Arsenal played I remember Arsenal played Liverpool last year and Arteta fought with Klopp on the sideline got the crowd in that and they could be at 4-0 mm-hmm. and the same things happened again you know there was too much emotion like and like what was Shaka doing there really you know he didn't need to get involved gets the crowd up then the score and I'm going to be honest see the second half Liverpool I think deserved to win the game mm-hmm. they were the far better mm-hmm. team they dominated the second half how they didn't score at the end how um, Ramsdale was fantastic. You know the miss at the end, the centre back. I don't oh, know. Canada. Yeah, that was that's a sitter. Like he has to score that. Yeah. And then Arsenal nearly scored in the counter. Um, but I have to admit, yeah, the changes. I think the changes on both sides made the difference because um, they brought on uh, Thiago and Firmino and Nunes, even though Nunes missed the sitter. Mm-hmm. But Arsenal went very defensive. They brought on a centre back who mm-hmm. hasn't played a Premier League minute, and 
you know, I thought that just played into Liverpool's hands too because they just sat back and they were just basically saying, you know, we're trying to get a point here, but we're going to just sit back. We have no option on the counter. They mm-hmm. didn't really have that, you know, option on the counter because they took off uh, G- Jesus. Um, so Arteta, I think, made mistakes there. And Arsenal were very fortunate to even get a point there from a position they're 2-0 up. Which oh, is, definitely. Which is, like, crazy to think. Like, a team's top of the league, 2-0 up, playing a team who's sitting in eighth, and they're probably happy enough to take a point. No, it was, it was a great result. It was a great turnaround for... Um for Liverpool, like yeah. in a moment where they crucially, crucially needed a point from that game, um, and credit to them for that. But yeah, I think Arsenal kind of capitulated. Yeah. I think taking off Gabriel Jesus was a huge mistake as Sorry, well because yeah. he had the defenders on strings and they took Odegaard off as well, mm-hmm. which I just don't understand. He's one of your best players, yeah. and you know, the game's not over. It's two one. You know, they still got the option on the counter, but we know Liverpool at home were a top top side, and as we said, like all season, they've only lost one game at home. And they've only lost one in their last 37 at home. Madness. Which is crazy. At look, Anfield is always one of those grounds where it is it's, it's, it is a fortress for Liverpool. Like Van Dijk's never lost there, which is... So we're going to move it on now then to the um, Manchester City and Southampton game, um, where I have to be honest... Uh, again, uh, just like we've been critical of Liverpool, we have been critical of, Ma- of Manchester City at times this season. Um, and really, they look to be getting back to their best now at the minute. I have to say that these last two performances um, against Liverpool and against Southampton, they finally look like they are playing that fluid football yeah. that they are known for. Um, and look, I mean, we're going to have to talk about them. 30 goals in the Premier League <laughs> already, 44 in a Manchester City shirt. Erling Haaland, he... He is just the best striker in world football. Definitely, like even the second goal was unbelievable, the overhead. But as you said, like this, the team in general seems to have come together better. But thirty goals in a Premier League season, he's five or four off the record mm-hmm. for a season, which is just crazy at this point. Still nine games to go. He's he's gonna beat it, like if he stays fit. Um, but City are flying eight wins in a row. Uh, like you know, I think. They've got their team sorted now. They have the back four that's really solid. They have Diaz back. You know, they have Aki playing left back. who's played very well this season. Mm-hmm. Kind of underrated. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been playing, you know, Diaz with uh, Akanji and then uh, Stones. And then they've got the three in midfield now. Gundogan's been very good. He's kind of underrated, I think, as yeah. a player. I think he might be leaving in the summer, which would be a huge miss. But mm-hmm. he has been sensational. De Bruyne, 100 assists in the Premier League in 237 games. Yeah. Craziness. Um. But as you said, he is Haaland there. He know like De Bruyne knows if I get the ball into this man, he's gonna finish. You mm-hmm. know, Grealish is playing really well too. He's been one of the four players since the World Cup. He's like been involved in ten goals and since the World Cup. Yeah. Um. But you know, when you have a boy like Haaland up top, you just know he's gonna he's gonna take his chances. And even he missed one earlier in the game, but he knows with players like De Bruyne, you know, Grealish, Mares, you know, them guys are gonna provide him with opportunities, yeah. and he's gonna take them. And thirty goals is. Is crazy and it's kind of because he's playing for Man City. Maybe it's it's not under the radar, but it's not talked about a lot. Yeah. But this is one of the best seasons you know a Premier League players had. You know, if he if he if he breaks that record, you know that's that's some achievement. It's it's crazy. You know, we're looking at a guy who, like when you think about it, three years ago, um, was playing at RB Salzburg, mm-hmm. um, and managed. You know, he he had a good you know Champions League campaign there, and then yeah. that's that's what. That's where everybody learned the name Erling Haaland and just moved to Dortmund and continued to do what he had been doing. I think, if I remember rightly, he got a hat-trick on his debut for Dortmund. He did, yeah. Um, Coming off the bench too. Yeah. Like, he is just, 
he is a, an absolute goal scoring machine. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. If if you could have any striker in the world, yes, okay, you maybe do have to modify your style of play, and yeah. maybe he needs to modify his style of play. But there's no denying, you know, if this is a transitional season and this guy has scored thirty goals already in the Premier League, well, what's it going to be like? That's when they have it down with him yeah. and, and he's part of that system and part of that fluid football the lad's going to score 60 a year well, <laughs> no yeah. problem that's what, that's what Pep said as well he's more like he's more like a Ronaldo like he's just a pure finisher I think mm. Ronaldo obviously is a better player yeah. but he's not like a messy <clears throat> all-round player if he can improve even that his all-round game God knows how many goals he can score yeah he's just a pure out-and-out striker mm. and yeah he's ridiculous you know, he's, he's ridiculous he's going to get the player of the year realistically like yeah. at this stage because I think he'll score he could, he could reach 40 like. yeah mm. it's insane like City City are just so good at recruitment these days. Like, yeah. like when Erling Haaland comes off after 60 minutes, he's already got a fucking hat-trick every time. <laughs> and then Julian Alvarez, a World Cup winner, comes on and scores one or two as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is ridiculous. They're an absolute cheat of a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Erling Haaland. Not much more can be said that the Jews yeah. have already said. Just what a goal that was, his overhead kick. Oh, he so shot good. up his haters, who you always say he's a top-end merchant. Oh, you always see that. Yeah. Oh, he just scored top-ends. Yeah. And, the, like, the thing is... Does a good job to score. Even yeah. even the ball from Grealish. Like, the ball didn't need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It just needed to go into an area. Yeah. yeah. And when it goes into the area, he's always got a chance. Top-quality strikers, what to do. That's what they say about the top-ends and stuff, but he's always in the right, right place. Area. So, yeah. even yeah. I, he scored... How many did he score? He scored in the Champions League five goals. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. none of them were pretty. Nope. He was always in the right place to get the rebound, mm-hmm. yeah. to score the goals, and that's... That's what they need now. Like City are flying eight wins in a row. Who's going to stop them? Is the question. It's I know. Like again, you know, we make this joke every week. You know, we say something, and then maybe a couple of weeks later, we're like, uh, actually. No. But to be honest, like if if City keep this kind of form up, and then with with what happened at Anfield, and you did see that little bit of frailty sort of creep into Arsenal, really for what looked like the first time this season. And I've seen a lot of pundits come out, especially Gary Neville. Now, I'm not a big Gary Neville fan, to be honest. I don't really like his punditry. But he did say um, at the Overlap Tour in Dublin, when you get to that last sort of six, seven games of the season and the title looks like it's on, boys start to get weary mm-hmm. and the legs yeah. get heavier. And things that you were doing previously in the season don't just come off as easy. City have the experience. Mm-hmm. They have the know-how. They have the manager that has mm-hmm. the know-how. Yeah. Are City going to pip Arsenal to the post? It's... So there's six points in it. It's it's gonna come right down but to the wire. Like City have a game in hand exactly. and they play each other at the Etihad. At the Etihad. I think it's I in would, City's hands. Yeah. So City know now. It's in, I know as I said, like it was a big point for Arsenal, but City now know it's in their hands. They've yeah. got the goal difference. They're gonna get the better goal difference as well. If they beat Arsenal, I'd say it's over. Yeah. You know, because Arsenal, as you say, don't have that experience. That and. Even at Anfield, they looked weary. Like they should have really lost that game at the mm. end. They kind of switched off a few times, and I, I would worry for Arsenal now. Even though I've packed them all year, I still, I still think they've got a chance. But it's going to come down to that City game in two weeks' time. Mm. What a season it's been! Been great, great season, absolutely phenomenal. Both ends, like yeah, yeah. You know, as brilliant. a de- as a debut season for our podcast to cover, you couldn't have really asked no. for much better. Know, it's a drama. Good. Yeah. You know, I'm sort of Honestly. glad this season that we're not sitting here talking about a, a two horse title race between Liverpool and, and City. 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 But that there are actually other teams that were in contention mm. at different points in the season. If anything, the future's bright. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it is. So, going to move it on then. Uh, going to go to uh, Wolves. Go to Molyneux, um, where we're going to have to talk about little old Chelsea again. <laughs> Fat Frank, back in the manager's chair. <laughs> 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 and uh, off to a, 
losing start, but a losing start. <laughs> one that I'm sure he's quite used to. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, what a goal from Matthias Nunes. Oh, goal is unbelievable. If there was a goal to decide a one nil game, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's the type of goal you want to score. And funny, I I didn't realize it wasn't until I was watching match of the day that night. That's only Nunes' first goal in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you'd been saying that like the Wolves fans on Twitter and all have been turned uh, against him. Really, he has really, been really disappointing. Yeah, really been hammering him. Because he'd been dropped still and all. Being, he's still being linked with some of the biggest clubs in the world. Well, it's, li- it's, it's, it's Liverpool are the yeah. ones that really, really, mm-hmm. really want him. And to be honest, if he went into that Liverpool side, he makes them stronger immediately. Yeah. Do you know what's mad? Like this, this weekend, you easily could have had all the contenders for goal of the season. Between Son's goal against Brighton, yeah, Erling Haaland's overhead kick... And then Nunez's goals. goals. Like Anthony Martial's tapping. Anthony Martial's goal. McTominay's goal. McTominay's goal. What a finish. Wambasaka's miss has to be up there as well. For Boob of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) Just has to be. Look, it was it was wasn't the most exciting game I've ever seen, I'm not gonna lie, the the Wolves and Chelsea game, but um, yeah, what a goal. A moment of magic when Wolves Needed it. Oh, big time. That's Wolves it. really, really needed it. That's what I was going to say. Like, the Wolves, like we've been saying, like, week to in week, trouble. Like, they're in trouble. And then they always get a win. Mm-hmm. And then they'll now go lose two in a row. Yeah. And it'll just come back. But, like. Chelsea looks like you're guaranteed three points at the minute, to tell you the truth. Chelsea, All joking aside, it looks like you're guaranteed three points. Like Chelsea, I seen a bit of them against uh, Liverpool, and they were the better side. And I thought Kante was unbelievable. Mm. Like, he's such a good player. But he was missing for this game, and they brought back, like, Sterling and, you know, Conor Gallagher was starting. But, they, like, Seeing the highlights and stuff, they they haven't got any better. And they brought Aubameyang back in, and he didn't do anything. You know, it's just Chelsea just. And Kante was rested. Frank Lampard said he was rested. He wasn't in the he squad. Wasn't he wasn't even injured, and he wasn't even picked. Well, they took him off against Liverpool with twenty minutes to go, and uh, he was the best player. But obviously, because he's been injured so much, mm-hmm. they have to. They can't risk losing him again because obviously the Real Madrid game. That's why obviously yeah. he, he's not playing. But like Chelsea are shambles. Like they're, play, they're playing Havertz. Like I seen Lampard said after the game, like something like. Oh, there's players here that just can't score. Mm-hmm. He's definitely one of them. Like he just cannot yeah. score. He yeah. is. He's not good. Like all you have to do is watch the highlights of that Liverpool game. He starts every he was game. Awful. I know. He starts every game. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the handball. Like he should have scored, and then yeah. bounced back off him. Handball. You know that's just the way. And he him is. celebrating in the corner, yeah. going mad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought um, after the comments that Lampard made during the week about Mason Mount, I thought Mount was sort of guaranteed mm-hmm. to be on the on he the starting eleven. He, I don't think he was in the squad. Mm-hmm. He's. I think he's coming back, but. What's Lampard going to do now? Like, Are they going to win any games? I think Madrid are going to kill them. They've won four games in 21. This is Chelsea who spent £600 million since last summer. Madness. And they have four wins in 21 games. Erling Haaland has more Premier League goals than Chelsea do this season. They're basically in relegation form. And they don't score goals, as you said. That's mad. Haaland has more goals. More goals. Well, Marcus Rashford had more goals this season than Chelsea did under Graham Potter. Ridiculous. Like That's crazy. Th- like, this is, this is a squad... Like. Why are people not talking about this more? There's 17 Six, points. 600 million was spent. There's sev- on paper, it's one of the best squads in the world. Like, there's 17 points off fourth. That's just fourth. Uh, they're, clo- they're closer they're m- they're closer, closer now to the relegation yeah. zone than they are to Man United. Yeah. Like, in, in fourth. It's madness. It's crazy. And they would have been, like, a lot of people's team to get top four. Mm-hmm. And they're 17 points mm-hmm. off. And I, are they going to win another game? Let's be honest. I don't really I, see it. I don't know. They're dreadful. They're they're really really poor at the minute. But they look, they do because they're genuinely looking at points, not out of a relegation battle. Genuinely, so they're in relegation form. form yeah, in relegation form. Like, like so. if this was, in all seriousness, if this was an Arsenal or a Liverpool or a Man United, yeah. this would be 
the end of the world. Like mm-hmm. the media would be having an absolute blast with this. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't. I can't. Why? Is, why are people not talking about this more? And like it's as if all the pundits are just like, oh, it's just a write-off season for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, you know, like they lost one 0 and I didn't even see much headlines about it, and I even forgot Lampard was back because mm-hmm. you know they if they'd won, you'd have known about it. Oh, like yeah. the Potter won about two games in a row, and it was like Chelsea's back. Yeah, they're not back. They beat. You know, they beat Dortmund, fair enough, but Dortmund were missing some players and they're going to get killed. And it was a joke that they beat Dortmund yeah. that that penalty had to be yeah. re- re- so, yeah. and stuff. Like, tomorrow night, they're going to get killed. By yeah. Oh, Madrid. big Let's time. be honest. Big you know, time. Real Madrid are just going to destroy them and then that'll be maybe... Like, they're going to bring in a manager, but it's, it's a big job next year as well. That's, mm-hmm. that's the problem. It's going to be a two or three year job Rebuild. to fix yeah. that, yeah. Because and they're not going to be able to buy more players. Not yeah. really. Not really. They would need to make some massive sales mm-hmm. in order yeah. to allow them to buy, but... And who's going to buy players that are in relegation form? Exactly. Exactly. And like you think like they'll have no Felix next year. And to be honest, Felix looks like their best player. He, he came on 20 minutes to go and he had like four shots. Yeah. And, you know, he tr- he was trying. Well, apparently he was, he's looking to stay. The same for Bruce Romano saying he's looking to stay. But like, why would you want to stay on that team? I don't know. Why? I, I don't know. Maybe the pay, pay a packet, maybe. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> you know. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll move it on from uh, Wolves and Chelsea. And we'll go to Spurs and Brighton. Um, this is a game that is absolutely draped in VAR mm-hmm. controversy. Um, and again, we are having to sit here for another week and talk about d- decisions that just baffle the mind. This is a this is as daylight robbery as you will see it. Brighton were robbed of points here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so I think we'll just we'll go through the incidents first of all. I mean, really, they could have had two penalties mm-hmm. and should have had two penalties. The one that Heiberg. He, how's it not a penalty? Like clearly trips him. That's a clear and obvious penalty. Yeah. Like, you see his foot yeah. stamps on Matoma. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a clumsy tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the worst thing is again, if we look at other games in the Premier League, these kinds of decisions are given. So you're looking at this and you're going, well, what's the reasoning behind yeah. this? And to be honest, especially like I don't know if you should agree, but I thought the the penalty in the Liverpool game was quite soft. I know Salah missed it, but I thought that was soft. That penalty that wouldn't have been given with VAR. No. If the ref would have said no to that, that wouldn't have been overturned. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like VAR looked at this. That one, like the Brighton one, was a certain penalty. Like, I can't believe it. The second one's a penalty too. You know, the referee stirred right out of the way, just mm-hmm. pulled away his jersey basically off mm-hmm. off him, and he just didn't do anything. That's why I've been saying about VAR as well. That's that's what it's like underrated about it. Um, the, the referees aren't making decisions anymore mm. because they're like, oh, you know, I, I don't rely, have to. I can rely because on VAR. I don't want to look stupid. Yeah. So I don't want to like give him a you know, my decision wrong and then look stupid. I'll just not do anything and let VAR deal with it. Yeah. And they're not dealing with it. And, you know, Hardweb's coming out and apologising. The third time they've apologised to Brighton. Like, Brighton have been... VAR has been brutal on them. Like, mm-hmm. And what does an apology do realistically? Nothing. Doesn't give you points, does doesn't it? Get, doesn't give you the points like, back. If they get that penalty, they're gonna sc- probably going to score 2-1. They're going to win that game, I think. And it just totally changes the game. Mm-hmm. And now they lose the game. And it's cost them because... The Champions League football looks very tough for them now. Yeah. And if they'd won that game, it would have been a real possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, if it does come down to it, you know, they will look at a game like that and look at other VAR decisions mm-hmm. that have gone against mm-hmm. them. And I'm sure they will feel extremely hard done by. You know, this is more than just qualification for the Champions League. For Brighton, this is possibly the future for a lot of the pl- their, their top players yeah. at, at their yeah. club. And, you know, the lure of Champions League football... Mm-hmm. It would, make, it would make a lot of those top stars go, well, why would I want to leave if I'm going to be playing Champions League football at Brighton in a competitive team with a great manager? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, it, I know they're going to be playing United at Wembley, but in terms of right now in the season, 
against someone who, against a team that's one uh, place above you, that would have been the most important game for Brighton this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's stupid refereeing decisions and stupid VAR decisions that has cost them three points. Yeah. And we had a fight on the touchline between the two managers. Yeah. Which was, I always love that kind of stuff. Like, we were fucking fighting before the match even started. Was, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was what it was to do with, wasn't yeah. it? Like he said, uh, Stellini had made some comments about Deserbe. Uh, he said he uh, basically just just came off potter pottered on all the hard work uh, and then he just, you know. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not being funny, but. Fully disagree. Yeah. Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I he, he, snaked, he snaked Conte, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he probably went to Levy and was like. I'd boot him out the yeah. <laughs> I'll do the job, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe he's a Premier League manager yeah. at the minute. You know. <laughs> and like the thing is, like, don't get me wrong, not taking anything away from Tottenham them, themselves. I mean, yes, we can look at the poor refereeing, but to be fair, Tottenham created two clear-cut opportunities and managed to get two goals from those clear-cut opportunities. I think the Sun one wasn't even an opportunity. It was just an unbelievable finish. I, the, only, the only reason I say it was an opportunity is because when it is Sun, something like that them. can always yeah, happen. Yeah. You He's know? able to do it, even in the worst form yeah. of his life. Like, w- once the ball gets to Sun's feet, you do always have that kind of thing. Like, well, if anybody's going to make something happen, exactly. it could be Sun. Oh, yeah. And then the yeah. second goal, look, it was a great cutback from Hoiberg. And again, once it comes to the edge of the area and you see who it is running onto it, you yeah. know it's a goal. So, to be fair, Spurs did create those no. those two mm. opportunities and they did Scored, they were yeah. clinical they, they took they took the, the two chances um again Matoma I think was robbed of a, was robbed of a goal mm-hmm. um <laughs> there just needs to be more clarification here yeah. on yeah. on the rules what's a handball and what's not to me personally that's not a handball you can see the ball touch the uh, the Nike um swoosh on his jersey mm-hmm. and apparently now that's being ruled as a handball <laughs> To me, that's not a handball, personally. Um, and just some of the defending from Spurs, like, you know, Longley was fucking throwing boys to the ground he's and all in, I, in the box, and you're kind of like... I don't know how he's playing for Spurs. Oh, he's brutal. He's terrible. I've, I've seen him for Barcelona. He's awful. But say the thing you're saying about that, I think it's because they didn't overturn it because I don't think it was a handball either, but they didn't overturn it because the linesman gave it. But then the second one with the McAllister one, it's not clear and obvious that he yeah. handballed that. And they went with a goal. So why did they change that one? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And like Brighton have been absolutely wrong. But as you said, like Spurs at the back are dreadful. Like even Dyer's not great. Longley is awful. I seen him at Barcelona. It was a bit like your boy he used to play, it was like him and Semedo. You know, your boy he plays for uh, Fair Wolves. He's yeah. not, I don't rate him either. Because defensively they're all they're not good. Like if you're not good in La Liga defensively, in the Premier League you're gonna get found you're out. Gonna get yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. different like Syria and stuff. A lot of them boys are if you're decent there, you're usually okay. But I, I think he's he's a terrible player and I think Spurs were lucky to get that win. And But they're still only three points off United. Mm-hmm. So you just never know. They could, they could get... T- you can't rule them out. Well, look, that's it. That's it. And like in all seriousness, we shouldn't really be making too many more definitive statements <laughs> no. until the Premier League is over. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> well, we'll move it on. Um, Roy Hodgson is off to a 100% start as the manager of Crystal Palace <laughs> and he tried to lead 5-1 Jesus they, when it rains it falls when it rains it pours sorry it down the road yeah 1-0 um, up uh, a good goal from Bamford yeah. as well but that second half they just fucking capitulated yeah big time Mikel Elise tore oh. them apart and we all know the talent of Mikel Elise we've seen it week in week out he is class but Jesus Christ he's like what <laughs> 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 like 
you see, like you he's put something in the fucking soup. Like, <laughs> like I, like I, I, scored two goals and he is oh my terrible, God, terrible. Lad. So whatever's going on there, yeah. Like every goal they scored was like well finished. It was yeah, kind of just like any chance. I, I mean, even Edward scored like oh, I mean, that was a good finish. Yeah. Great finish. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And he got in as more points with him six. Than Vieira has women in twenty twenty three. He got five. Of them. Did you, Did you see that one as well? well? It's like he's had more goals in two games than Vieira had in the last fifteen. Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> like that's like we were saying that they can't score. They're born. And, and this was without Zaha, their best no, player. Zaha. And they were one 0 down, Jesus and they went five one. What did he say to them at half time? Fucking hell, lads! <laughs> Just go out there, play a bit of football. Go out there, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Some of the passes though by Elise uh, as well were just oh, unbelievable. But they were just laying off like. Lad. Your boy scored. The, who's it? Uh, Eze scored one of the goals, and he just walked through the defence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when I seen it was one 0 I was thinking that's a big result for Leeds. I think they were going up to thirty-two points. I was like, that, that could get them basically. They just so need a few more points. They're going to be safe. Yeah. And then they just get smacked. Five-one. Yeah. They're very frail. Mm. Yeah. You you can see the frailties within Leeds team. There are look. I I have said it really for a while. I I don't rate the midfield. I mm. don't think it's good enough. And I, I, I thought McKinney was going to come in and make a difference. And I know that Tyler Adams is a big he's miss for them. And, and I know he's a big miss, but I have not been impressed with McKinney. He's barely played. You know. But and he, that shows. He, he, even when he gets minutes. Yeah, yeah he's he, not good he's, enough. He's just lacklustre. Yeah. Do, do you know what a player is? I just, like, I don't want to slag him too much, but I don't really believe he's primarily thought it was ailing. Like, ailing, He's yeah. just yeah. defensively awful. And there was, like, rumours that he was fighting in the change room at half-time and mm. all this nonsense, but I just think... He is just not a good player at all. Yeah, you know when you see him in the team, you're kind of like, he's a championship player. Like he's, you mm-hmm. can get at him. You, you know, get at him. they were just walking all over them, and at the back they were Brickle. horrible, brutal. And like Leeds were on a positive run of form; they were looking good actually. They're right under you know, under Grassi, the new yeah. manager was coming in in the second half. They should have been two or three nil up in that mm-hmm. first half. You know, Bamford missed a few chances, but. I couldn't believe when I seen five one. Crazy, crazy, crazy! All credit to Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah definitely. And that's basically, job. I'd say that's him nearly safe, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. near enough. You'd say near enough. Yeah. Nearly, but near then enough. every time we say that, then yeah, then they now get relegated. Probably, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, lucky Palace. Well, we'll go to the GTAC Community Stadium for Brentford and Newcastle, in what turned out to be a very exciting game. Mm-hmm. Um, really good for the neutral. Um, and they are two teams this season that have performed at the highest level. Um, and two managers that have really maximised the squads that, that they have to work with. But it could have been a draw. Newcastle come away with the win. And I think the biggest talking point from the game is Callum Wilson and Isaac up front as a two. Looks like a very, very deadly duo mm. up, up top. We kind of said it like if Isaac can stay fit, they're gonna, I think they're going to get top four. If he can stay yeah. fit and keep scoring the goals because he is a top player. Yeah. Like he's scary, pace, and his finish was... Unbelievable, and you've seen the link up play that Wilson got the assist mm-hmm. for that goal. And then, you know, the first goal they were kind of lucky, but Joe Linton done well. Yeah. You know, and Newcastle are flying and five in a row. And away to Brentford, it's yeah. a tough game. You're 1 0 down. Exactly, lad. A penalty that I didn't think was a penalty. Mm-hmm. I don't know how VAR give that one to. I've seen they're coming out saying that wasn't a penalty mm-hmm. either. A high foot. I don't know what that was, but, you know, credit to Newcastle. At the back, we've all said it. They're solid. Mm-hmm. It's just scoring goals, and you're seeing more and more. They're more creative and they they took their chances. Well, it's like you said, Connor. So, Isaac, he has only played 13 matches in the Premier League this year. He has eight goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quality. That, that kind of ratio justifies the big transfer fee. Exactly. Now, obviously, only playing 13 games doesn't justify mm-hmm. the transfer fee, but I mean the actual like goals-to-game oh, ratio. Definitely. 
it definitely justifies that big price. And it does, again, Isaac's one of those players you kind of look at and you think to yourself, how did the bigger clubs miss out on something like that? Well, you know what? I wouldn't even say the bigger clubs did miss out on it. Like, £70 million pound yeah. they paid for him. Uh, but this is a player who originally was at Borussia Dortmund mm. before he went to Sociedad. He performed well at Dortmund. Uh, went on loan. He went on loan. Where'd he go to? He went to the Eredivisie, I think. And he slapped them in. And then he went to Real Sociedad on a permanent. And he played really, really well for them. Yeah. Um. So look, at the goal-scoring ability was always there. Um. But £70 million, I, I would say, put suitors off mm. more than anything yeah. rather than his actual ability. But like... In terms of Newcastle, when you're talking about a striker dilemma, who do you play? Isaac or Wilson? Isaac. Play them both. Fucking play them both. Yeah, play them both. Oh, Eddie Howe just loves a striker, like. Yeah. Doesn't he? Play 4-4-2. Yeah. Why not? Like, Get Joe Linton in there, fuck it. Well, Joe Linton can play on the left. <laughs> go- Here has two goals during the week. What a player. Always said it. He got an assist for the goal. He, you know, he shot. Got to give it to him. He really looks like a Brazilian again. Oh, he's he? actually a baller. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's class, like. <laughs> but the, thing, the, the thing about Isaac is well, like he's scoring big goals as well I've seen something like every goal he's been involved with has either been an equaliser or a winner, or a winner. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that is the big thing he's not scoring you know, when the games are over or whatever yeah. he is a he's a top striker and he's a factor in the game and like he's not like the strongest but he can hold the ball up really well mm, and technically he he's very good and he's quick and he can finish he's, yeah. got, he's like an, an all round top player and as you said like if he can stay fit they're de- I think they're definitely going to get that for well it's his, his strike partner um in Wilson, mm-hmm. they, they just form. they complement each other very yeah, very well. Mm-hmm. And the thing I always liked about Wilson, and I said it whenever the England squad and stuff had been announced, I thought at that particular point in time Wilson was being like performing exceptionally, mm-hmm. and he looks to be back at that form now. He's a striker that always does the the, the dog work, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that always goes underappreciated. But like if you even look at the goals that Wilson scores, he really he puts his head in where he's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he fights for every chance and he fights for every goal. And I think f- from a Newcastle point of view, that's positive. From a Newcastle point of view, that's a bit negative. I don't know what Botman was thinking when he absolutely... Oh, the first penalty. ...crashed <laughs> into... Well, it was Tony he crashed into, wasn't it? Or No, I think it was the... the what do you call the other striker? That's really quick. Uh, and Burmo. No, it wasn't him. It was the other one. Semenyo or something? Yeah, that? something like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, w- he just... Oh, Sh- or Shada, Kevin Shada, the German boy. Oh, I can't mind, lad. I can't mind oh, what their name is. is. He's like a young player. Uh, uh, it is. Yeah. It was. It was that German. The German fella. Yeah. Who actually looks? Him. actually looks like quite he's a talent. Decent, yeah, to be honest, like, yeah. They, yeah. They paid like forty million for him. Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, he looks quite good. Mm. I think he's been injured though. I think that's what. Yeah, he's what, only coming back. Why he was only coming back, but. I don't know what Batman was doing in that instance. I mean, he absolutely just took him out, to be honest. Crazy. He just thought, look, if I'm going to get booked here, I might as well get booked for, for something proper. Yeah, right yeah. enough. Like, it was a good audition for the WWE. Like. And I've seen again, you know, a lot of... I didn't see it at the time. It wasn't until I was on social media afterwards that i seen this um, incident occur, but it was between Anthony Gordon and oh, yeah, Eddie Howe. I've seen that too, yeah. What a wee pre-Madonna. Yeah. He is hateful. I know. And you're back in Eddie Howe all day. I've seen like he's only 100%. lost he's only lost like twelve games, mm-hmm. like sixty. Yeah, like, that's crazy. And he came in then bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. Like Gordon should be listening. To, I know he did. I think what happened was he, he came on at half time. Came on half time and then was subbed back off. Apparently again. he was okay. He changed the game a bit, but he did get taken off again. He was raging, but like you need to see team sport. Like, like they're yeah. seeing out the game. He's not taking you off because you're playing bad. He's taking you off for tactical reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as a player, uh, look, this young fella cost fifty million somehow. But as a player. <laughs> 
you should be, and we know this ourselves from playing sports all our lives. You do what the manager says because you trust in your manager that he's doing the best for the team. And if taking you off again after putting you on is what's best for the team, you do what your fucking manager says. You don't come off and start pushing your manager. Exactly. Disgusting behaviour from him. Disgusting from him. Well, on to Villa Park, where Aston Villa managed to secure a 2-0 victory against Nottingham Forest. And once again, I'm I'm calling it again, the Ali Watkins show (laughs) over at Villa Park this season. Look, Unai Emery has made me eight more words. They're in European spots. Mm-hmm. They're in the Europa League spots now. Yeah. Wow, what a turnaround it's been for Aston Villa. Massive turnaround. Um, look, we did all know that Dune Emery was a fantastic manager. He was going to get good results. Um, I made the assumption that he wouldn't achieve success at Villa. And it, Look, in terms of cup success and stuff like that, there, I still do stand by that. But this is a successful season for Aston Villa getting European football. This is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, they spent a lot of money. They spent $400 million in the last three years. That's a lot of money to spend on a team. And like Aston Villa is one of the biggest teams in the world. They are one of the biggest teams in England. They should be in the position they are now every season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they needed a manager like Unai Emery to come in and unleash the potential. And even though Ollie Watkins, since he arrived from Brentford, has been scoring goals for Aston Villa, this is the Ollie Watkins that they signed. Because yeah. he is class. And it took a world-class manager to release him and make him the absolute goal-scoring beast that he is. Um yeah, Villa's just fucking class at the minute. Like yeah. They're completely outclassed Forrest. Oh. Like, play them off the park. Like, I know the scoreline was 2-0, but, like, Forrest didn't offer any sort of resistance mm-hmm. at all. Um, it's probably the poorest, I think, Forrest have played in, in a while. Mm. Um, but, like, as you keep saying, Connor, every week, they're terrible away from home. They've lost, they haven't won in nine games. I even think at home they're not that great anymore. Mm. I really think, I, I said it, I think they're going down. You've said it all the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, I stick with it because I just don't see, I think they have like two good players. And as you said, Villa played them off the park and Villa are a very good side. And, you know, the, the they're unbeaten in seven, they've won six of their last seven. You know, Emery's improved, as we said, McGinn, you know, even players like Kanza looks good. Yeah. You know, mm. Mings is looking better. They've brought your boy Moreno in. You know, Ashley Young's come back in the side. Mm. He's yeah. playing well. You know, they've got they've a really good goalkeeper. You know, I really rate Douglas Louise Wa- as well. Yeah, Douglas Louise is a good player. Watkins is flying. And as you said, he's scoring goals, but now under Emery, he's just looking even better. Yeah. And for Villa next season as well. And even this season, sixth is a realistic possibility. Yeah. Because they're flying. And as I said, like forced, I just think. You know, they don't score goals, and especially away from home. But even at home, I just don't think they're they're a great side. Like, I'm going to slag them, but then they'll beat us now on Sunday yeah. I slag them. But I, do I don't think, think they will be honest. I think <laughs> fo- force are going down. Even, like, the goal that conceded the the first one, Traore, like, John Joe Shelby, what are you doing? Like, just get rid of it. Um, I kicked it straight down. Kicked it straight down. Good assist. That way, Traore <laughs> scored two goals in yeah. his last two games, yeah. and I don't know where he was at. He hadn't scored, like... A year and a half or something. They kept like loaning it. They signed him on a permanent, or they signed from him from, from Chelsea or whatever, yeah. and then they loaned him out, and then he come back. And I thought he was away on loan again. So did they. He's back, new number, number nine now. So he Let's is. Go. So he's. <laughs> but like, um, even, the even your boy Ramsey's a good player for Villa. Like they have some good young talent mm. there as well. So if Emery gets, he's, they have money as well. If he gets another transfer window, proper back, they're going to be scary next year. Like yeah. they would be. Like they're sick this season and like under Gerard they were shocking. Yeah. So it just shows how good of a manager he is. He got a bad time for it at Arsenal, like, but he um he's definitely like next season they're gonna be They could be a force. They're mm-hmm. gonna be a force next year. They could be. They really could mm-hmm. be. And Unai Emery's specialty is the Europa League. 
That's true. That's is it is it out of the realms of possibility if no. they get Europa League football that they'll compete for the Europa no, League? It's not. No. I don't think it is either. It's not. It's not. Well, moving it on to Craven Cottage, where Marco Silva had to watch from the stands as his side were defeated one 0 by David Moyes' West Ham. Really, all you can say here is big three points for West Ham. Do you know what? It's it, it's a huge three points for West Ham, but see in terms of Fulham, Fulham are very, very lucky that they had such a great start to the season mm. because yeah. they're in relegation form now. Um, and if they were in a relegation scrap, you'd fancy Fulham to go down based on the current form. But, yeah, look, good result for West Ham. Still think Moyes, I don't think he'll be there next season, but yeah. he's doing his best to keep them up and that's all he can really do at the minute. No, it's a massive result. Like, and It wasn't a good game. You know, West Ham really created nothing. You always see Fal handballed. But apparently, he crossed it in, then it came back out, so it's a new phase so to play. So it's a new phase, mm-hmm. yeah. Even though he did handball it. But um, yeah, for David Moyes, it was huge after getting smacked by Newcastle. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think Karen Brady and the other, somebody else was there, one of the owners or something, and I think he might have got sacked if they lost that game. Because mm-hmm. Fulham have lost four in a row. You know, they played well against United a few weeks ago, but I've seen them a few times against Arsenal, Tottenham. I think they've been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um and as you said, they're very lucky they've had that points, but maybe it's just they're on their holidays kind of thing. It's just like yeah. they've already got and the, no Mitrovic and all. You know, they're missing yeah. Mitrovic. You know, the managers. You know, not on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for West Ham, that's a huge win and could keep them up. Well, that's it. You know, you would say a result like that is is a real positive step for West Ham because I'm sure they maybe looked at that game and they thought, God, you know, going to Craven Cottage that that, that was always going to be a tough fixture for them. Mm-hmm. And look, you know, it could be moments like that that define their season. You know. It was an own goal ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah. but Reed. but it managed, you know, it managed to get them all three points, and yeah. you know, I'm sure, like I said, they were looking at that game and they were thinking, look, that's going to be really, really difficult for us to even come out with anything. So mm-hmm. to come out with all three um, is definitely a positive for West Ham. Well, moving it on then to um, our last game um, of the game week, uh, we are looking at Bournemouth and Leicester. Leicester at home, but we're beaten by. Really one of the most under-the-radar players this season in, in Philip Billing. Yeah. Um, just an exceptional performance, really, from, from Billing, who is a traditional central defensive midfielder, mm-hmm. but has transitioned this season more into a number 10. Top goal scorer in the Premier League for Bournemouth For Bournemouth, year. seven yeah. goals. Um, looking really, really impressive. And I think, you know, if we just analyse Billing himself, um, he's a big, tall, strong guy, but mm-hmm. with the ball at his feet, very technical. Yeah. Um, really good over a dead ball as well. Um, I think being from a defensive background, he, he's not afraid of having the ball at his feet as no, well. You can see he's very comfortable no, with it, and and doesn't shirk his responsibilities. puts the hard yards in. You mm-hmm. know, you know. I can remember a couple of times when Barnes had the ball on the wing and Billing attracted him all the way back mm-hmm. and recovered yeah. the ball. And those are the types of performances that Bournemouth are going to need if they want to stay up. And mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, they're coming off the back of two positive results here, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. for for a side that we were so sure was going to go down, you know. Maybe they keep themselves up as well. But like Billing, we've been saying for a while, he's a he's a good player. Like even yeah. the goal, like he, I know Madison makes a mistake, but he he read it, mm-hmm. and that's like a striker kind of thing. It was weird as a defensive player that was weird. And then he ran through them again, and Solanke just missed. You know, Leicester, Leicester were the worst. Like they were poor. Mm-hmm. You know, since the World Cup, they've eight points, mm-hmm. and they've conceded the most goals in the Premier League. Yeah, and they've sacked the manager because Justin Rogers came out and said he did get sacked. He didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, he didn't leave. He, yeah. yeah. Um, but. Leicester's in huge trouble in Bournemouth, actually, as I've seen them recently, even against Liverpool and Arsenal. They've looked better. They, mm-hmm. they actually look 
a lot more defensively mm-hmm. sound. They got a clean sheet against Leicester. Didn't really give up that many opportunities. Um, but Leicester's in huge trouble. I've seen the interview after with Madison and stuff. He was downhearted. Like he, he was just like, it is as if they've given up. They've yeah. no confidence. It's as if we're down. And fair enough, Owen did call. He said Leicester would go down. Mm-hmm. So he could be right. I still think they have too much talent, but the Barnes is now injured as well. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's, it's, it's one thing having talent, and it's another thing getting results. Yeah. Like we all know that. Well, that's it. And you know, I think we, we said it maybe a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was we actually said it last week. But obviously, the episode didn't go out. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do have talent, but their talent's not performing at the level that they were performing mm-hmm. at a few seasons ago. Like the the performance in in particular that I was shocked by the most was in Didi. Passenger mm. in oh, the game, terrible. complete passenger, just looks like a real shadow of himself. Um, and look, you know, Jamie Vardy's now 35, 36. You know, yeah. you can't be relying on a 35, 36 year old to pull you through these types but, of games. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have it in him anymore. Like, indeed, in the midweek there, they lost to Villa and he gave away the goal. Yeah, that pass. And you know, they started Vardy in that game and it was as if all oh, Vardy's back and he's just not at it. He, no. And he is 36, he's yeah. been a top performer. He's obviously the tail end of his career has been the high points but I do think Leicester could go down and it's mm-hmm. crazy to think because I never thought it could happen mm-hmm. you know at the back as well they're not great the goalkeeper's actually been okay the guy that brought in for Ward uh, Iverson yeah he's actually been decent he made a lot of saves against Bournemouth but at the back they give up so many chances you know yeah. your boy that the sign the Australian he has not been great yeah Suter Suter no, no. He's, he really really struggled to be honest yeah you know, it, it's that kind of signing. You know, he come from the championship, and not to put this sort of label on on a player like that, but he does look like a championship player. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, he has I, a championship build. To him. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he actually looks like Harry, Mag- or he has the same build as Harry Maguire. Yeah, yeah. He's like a B-tech, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's a championship player. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that's it for our Premier League coverage this week. So we're going to head to um, our picks of the week mm-hmm. section uh, that you guys all love at home. Um, I was actually just sort of thinking there, you know, even though the episode didn't go out last week, I probably should have put our picks of the week out anyway. Back luck. So it is. Yeah, you know. So look, we'll go to it anyway. Connor, who is uh, uh, this week's player of the week? It's crazy to think, like, it's going to be a Palace player. I'm going to give it to Elise. Three assists. Yeah. You know, third youngest player to get it. I could have given it to Ayu, who's two goals, but I think Elise, just like, even his assists were all very, very good. Mm-hmm. Like, even his past to Eze, as I said earlier. You know, Holland scored two goals, but Elise, like, We've seen it, the talent he has. You know, he scored that free kick against United. Um, he has serious talent. And with the better manager in there, like, you know, like maybe Hudson's playing a bit more open. He's showing his quality more, yeah. you know. And it's crazy to think it was between two Palace players, but I'll give it to Elise. Well, I think, you know, right right from he made his debut for, for Reading, the talent was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was there to be seen. You know, he, he lit up that, that season he had in the Championship. He was absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I remember all the the scouting reports and you know you always seen in like 442 mag they always had those like uh, top wonder kid scouting reports yeah. and they had him actually listed as the th- the third best wonder kid in Europe at that time because his production was just crazy yeah. and yeah you know performances like that really sort of so sort of show you that you know this is a guy with serious potential mm-hmm, and definitely. you know Palace will do well to keep a hold of him mm-hmm. because there will be people interested performances like that yep. although it's great for your team and all they do make <laughs> other clubs at the top of the Premier League go hmm I like what I'm saying uh, yeah. maybe we could take a punt on that guy yeah. you know um, 
And look, he is, he's a fantastic option mm-hmm. out, out on that right-hand side for them. Mm-hmm. 100%. Definitely. Moving on to your Richie's pick. Yeah, so um, I'm going to do a wee bit of a cop-out pick this week, um, only because I haven't got to pick him um, so far for <laughs> the FPL um, pick of the week. So this week, if you haven't already, I don't know how at this stage you wouldn't have this guy in your team, but get Erling Haaland into your team, folks. <laughs> Come on, it's too easy at this stage. The, the guy scores goals for fun. Um they have a, a handy wee fixture this weekend, I think. Leicester at home. Leicester, Leicester at home, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you Hat still trick. have your triple cap, maybe yeah, um, yeah, I'll be doing it. Maybe yeah. stick that on Haaland. Definitely captain him this week mm-hmm. because yeah. he will be amongst the goals for City, just the way they're playing at the minute. They look back to their best. and You're not going to argue with a guy that has 30 Premier League goals um, in like 26 or 27 oh, no. games, whatever Crazy. it is he has in the Premier mm-hmm. League for City. Yeah. So, yeah, my pick of the week's Erling Haaland. Happy days. Happy days. I've been racking my brain for an opinion, and I can't think of one, and like definitively, because um, he's trying to get a different opinion every week like, yeah, that, yeah, that we all haven't already mentioned or something. You could even just you know change the title of it to hot take, you know, hot some, take some sort of hot take. Yeah, maybe. Um, and just say something outlandish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, like? The the moment that's sticking in my head, and we haven't talked about it at all on this podcast, and I think we will talk about it if we do a collective baby of the week, is um, the linesman, Alvo and oh, yeah. Andy Robertson. <laughs> um, and in my opinion, right, my opinion of the week is that he shouldn't get a ball. The linesman shouldn't linesman get a ball? shouldn't get shouldn't. a ball. Yeah, so the way I see it is, don't get me wrong, I like... I see it as a jerk reaction. I think it's a bit of a fucking weird jerk reaction to stick the elbow up straight away. But he didn't like wham his elbow into him. Do you know what I mean? He was kind of like saying, like, fuck off, like, would you? Mm-hmm. But, like, the, I know we talk about VAR and I know we talk about refereeing decisions and all this here. It's a big pressure moment at all times for a Premier League referee and that's what they're paid to do. I understand that. But you see this notion... And we've seen it a lot in the Arsenal-Liverpool game, especially at half-time. All the Liverpool uh, players crowded, all the officials were pushing them, um, doing essentially what Mitrovic did, do you know what I mean, to to a lesser extent. But like none of them boys are going to get 12 match bans. Um, but this linesman who, jerk reaction, look, he, if he had a caught Andy Robertson in the stomach or something, like, nothing would have been said. If he had to turn around to Andy Robertson after he'd done it and be like, fuck, I didn't mean that, nothing would be said. But, just because of the high-pressure game it was, the situation, the circumstances, and obviously Liverpool tempers being high going in, 2-0 down, he's going to get a ban, but in my opinion, he shouldn't get a ban. It doesn't help too, he's built like a tank. Yeah, oh my god, he's fucking shredded, lad. He's like that Jack WWE (laughs) referee. You didn't didn't see Robertson run after him and fight him anyway. He's like, he's kind of like, all right, okay. I'll I'll take that one, to be honest. That's a good one, yeah. But then, like Roy Keane was saying, like, like, you see that? Call him Big Baby. 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 But he is a bit of a yap, and a lot of players do yap. I think he will get banned, but I think it'll be like, maybe to the end of the season, and then he'll be back next year. I think he'll be banned too, but I I don't. I genuinely don't think he should be banned. I think it was proper order, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, He's an official. Uh, the same way mean? that Liverpool fans really dislike Bruno. Well, I think all United fans really dislike Andy like Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, He's just yeah. hateful. He is one of those... Just a yap. Yeah, hateful players, like, you know. <laughs> I can't stand him. So I was glad to see him catch an elbow <laughs> in the face, to be honest. 
Um, <laughs> you were jealous, lad. You wish you could. Have I wish you could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, shades of Israel Adesanya there from from the linesman. So fair play. Um, I think he should get himself a UFC contract after that one <laughs> because you know he he really did. You know he pummeled Andy Robertson. Yeah. You know, pummeled him around. Hammer you know, fists. Oh, Robertson lost all his teeth and he lost yeah. so much blood. And, Oh, awful incident. Merkley played in the second half. <laughs> no, I do think it was proper order. You know, I think uh, referees, and look, you know, at times, rightly so, they do get a lot of criticism, but at times I do think it does fly off the handle in the Premier League. I feel like, you know, players do get right up into referee mm-hmm. and, and officials' faces. And, you know, at the end of the day, shouldn't have done what he done. And I'd say the linesman himself knows that he shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, look, it, it happened. I'm sure both men in the tunnel afterwards shook each other's hands mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was sorted and you know, but like, the cameras didn't pick that up so that's the end of it do you know what I mean he's yeah, going to get a ban yeah. that's the way it is yeah, yeah but you know look I'd, I I do believe that in a situation like that um, with the aggressive nature of players at the time you know uh, an, uh, an official airlinesman should be able to uh, protect himself defend himself yeah absolutely well that'll do it for um, the coverage of uh, the Premier League and our picks of the week and now we have a fan favourite section coming back. Um, we had uh, binned it off for the last couple of weeks just because Owen hadn't been here and he's still not here. So we just sort of thought, well, we're going to crack on with this yeah. anyway. Owen can yeah. catch up on TikTok. Yeah. And like realistically, he's uh, he's on one point. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to catch either me or Dorman. Yeah. So no. He's like Chelsea in the title race. Like it's not happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll crack on. We're just going to yeah, crack yeah. on. So yeah. Folks, guess the player is back this yeah, week. Owen, you can you can catch up on TikTok, my friend. Um, okay, look, boys, I've said this already before we come in here. This is difficult, in my opinion. Um, so, folks at home, bring your egg, you. Okay, let's dive straight into it with number one. I'm a 36-year-old forward, and I'm currently playing in my home country. Number two. I've played alongside Nicholas Otamendi, Kaka, Rodamel Falcao, Axel Witzel and Ronald Neal in my career. Number three, I have won six league titles in my career across three different countries. Number four, I'm a Europa League winner and I have accumulated 115 million euros in transfer fees in my career across seven professional teams. And the last clue, I have never played for a team in Europe's top five leagues. Who am I? What? <laughs> oh, oh, that's tough. Never played for a team you in need, Europe. You need to go for that again, lad. Never. I go very quickly. All five. I'm a 36 year old forward and I'm currently playing in my home country. I've played alongside Nicolas Otamendi, Kaka, Radamel Falcao, Axel Witzel, and Ronaldinho in my career. I've won six league titles in my career across three different countries. I'm a Europa League winner and I have accumulated 115 million euros in transfer fees in my career across seven professional teams. And I have never played for a team in Europe's top five leagues. Who am I? <laughs> Jesus, that's so difficult. It's crazy. And is this a name like when we hear You will know him 100 million gazillion percent. Was he like, was he a famous footballer? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he still is a very, very famous footballer. Don't get me wrong, you won't have seen him play for the last maybe eight years, seven years, six uh-huh. years. But you will know who this is. You wouldn't mind, sorry, just saying the names of the players he played with again. Yep. Nicholas Otamendi, Kaka, Radamel Falcao, Axel Witzel, Ronaldinho. I've seen him, he's Brazilian. He has to be Brazilian, though. 
I'm trying to think of like Brazilian strikers. That didn't play in Europe's top five leagues. Uh, I'm gonna put a oh, this is clock of ten seconds before I ask for an answer. Starting from now. He's at ten seconds. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. Oscar one. Caruso. No. Good guess though. Good guess. Dorman. Might as well take a stab in the dark. Higuain, I don't know. He's played for No, not Higuain. The answer was Hulk. Oh. Oh. I'd have never got that. No. No. Yeah. Answer was Hulk. Did he win? Who did he win the Europa League with? Porto. Porto. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, when you said Adamandi and Witzel, I was like, oh, he must have played at Benfica. Aye. Well, he played well, Adamandi at Porto. Porto. And I didn't know uh, who Adamandi played for Porto. Yeah. Uh, neither did I. Um, Axel Wetzel, he played with him at... Um, Is that what it, uh, Chinese? Mosque? No, what do you call the... Oh, Zenit. Zenit, yeah. Zenit, yeah, yeah. Zenit, yeah. He signed for Zenit since Petersburg for 60 million quid. Yeah. Hulk. Hulk went for 60 million quid. I think he was like, linked to Liverpool. And like yeah. That. Uh, he went to Porto from Tokyo for 20 million. Then he went from them to um, Zenit for 60 million. And then he went for like... 50 million to China. But that's when the Russian league had like money. Like, money. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Addo and all. Yeah, they were yeah. playing for that. What do you call them? Anzi, Makachakalaka. Makalakachaka, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. And Yuri Jerkov. So no points there. <laughs> Let's move on to number two. Okay, so the first clue. For the second guess the player. I have won four league titles and I am a Champions League winner. I was once named GQ's best dressed man in the world. Number three. In my career I have played alongside Fabio Cannavaro, Kaka, Michael Essien, Patrick Vieira, Perlo, Gerard, Schneider, uh, Said Ben Rama and Ben Mee. Number four, I still play in Europe, and last season I finished the second top goal scorer in the Turkish Super League. And number five, I have played for 11 clubs across five countries in my career. Who am I? I'm going to go through them very quickly. So in my career I have won four league titles and a Champions League. I was once named GQ's best dressed man in the world. Uh, in my career, I've played alongside Fabio Cannavaro, Ben Mee, Kaka, Michael Essien, Patrick Vieira, Perlo, Said Benrama, Steven Gerrard and Wesley Snyder. Number four, I am still playing in Europe and last season I finished the second top goal scorer in the Turkish Super League. And number five, I've played for 11 clubs across five countries in my career. Who am I? You will know this player as well. I'm just going to take a stab in the dark here. Because I'm just thinking of like strikers that have played in the Turkish league. Uh, I know this is probably well. It's definitely wrong. Like, but is it Buffett and Bigomas? No. Not a bad effort though. It was good, it was good thinking, good logic behind it. But don't I don't remember when Buffett and Bigomas played with fucking Fabio Cannavaro. <laughs> Neither do I, to be honest. But <laughs> I can't think of it either. I was thinking nearby. The only player, the only striker I know. 
Douglas Lee was your boy, but it's not him. There's two actually, but there's neither of them. Hey, Dan Baba. Yeah, well, I was thinking that your boy Yilmaz, but like he didn't play. I think. Um, just go in Gog. I don't know. No, Mario Balotelli. Oh, for. Didn't even know he was playing in Turkey. Yeah, he played. He's, well, he's playing in Switzerland now. Um, he played in Turkey last year for Adana, Adana Demispor, or right. whatever you call them. Yeah. Um, scored 18 league goals. Um, yeah, played with <laughs> Gerard at Liverpool, of course. Yeah. Ben Mee at Manchester City. I didn't know Ben Mee played for Man City, but he made that. his That's debut in the 2011 yeah. uh, season. Um, Kaka and Mikel at SC Milan. Fabio Cannavaro for Italy and Perlo for Italy. Patrick Vieira for Inter Milan and Wesley Snyder. And Said Ben Rama at Nice. I didn't know Ben Rama played for Nice either. But yeah, no point, sir. I did say it was hard, boys. I do apologise. <laughs> um, it was trying to see, like, um, see when it's just like outside of say Europe's top five leagues. Aye. You're really like racking your brain, brain. Yeah. trying to think of people that have played. Like when you said Turkish, uh, like goals, like a second highest goal scorer in the Turkish league. I was just like racking my brain mm, of yeah. who has played in Turkey and yeah. It is tough, like yeah, it is it's difficult. Folks at home, I hope you're I hope you're getting on all right with it. Um, okay, the last last one for for this week's edition of Guess the Player. So the first clue: I'm a midfielder, and I have played at the last three FIFA World Cups. Number two: I have only played for three clubs in my professional career, including for one in the Premier League. Number three: I have played alongside Mark Andre Testegen, Andreas Christensen. Sheridan Security, Luke De Jong, and Alex Oxley at Chamberlain in my club career. Number four, I've won two league titles in my career. And number five, I used to be the vice captain of my Premier League club, often being their captain before I was stripped of it. Who am I? I think it's Shaka. Yeah. Yeah. Granite Shaka. Straight in, Norman. Yeah, I knew that one. I thought about it before, but then once you said the vice captain, or you got stripped of the captain, so you knew it was definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I I had to put that in at the end because it. Fuck all else to talk about for Granite Shaka, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, what's the scores now, then? I gave him a nine. Nine. Seven. Seven, aye. There was was a few between you. So now we're on nine, seven. McCardle's on one. Um, Plenty of chat out of the other day, McCardle. (laughs) 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 Can't can't wait he comes back from injury, though, like. Uh, Missed three in a row or something. You're right, he has left. Yeah. The, the ankle's not doing him any justice here at the minute. But, yeah. And no boob of the week this week, boys, no? Uh, we could maybe try and do a collective one, but I, I think Wambasak is a good one, to be honest. Wambasak is not bad. It was a brutal mess. Like, <laughs> um, Jesse Marsh. Not getting the lesser job. Not getting the lesser you job. Rejected it, didn't mm. The penalty should have been a penalty. Um, I mean, we could right, just go VAR to yeah. be honest. VAR, it's it's always a handy guess, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. VAR is the the boob of the week for for yeah. the bottom ends. I have a feeling that's just going to be the overall boob of the season, to be yeah. honest, because it's absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah, brutal. No, I agree. Finish it up. Yep, well, that'll do it for this week's folks. Um, thanks very much for tuning in and for listening. If you haven't already, please go and check out our top 10 Premier League players list. And just to reiterate, we didn't want to fill it full of too many players from the one team, which is why we tried to diversify it a wee bit. So yes, I've got met plenty of messages this season going, really, no Martinelli. I clarified it at the start of the episode why there was no <laughs> Martinelli. Um, 
But yes, if you haven't already, please go and listen to it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. It is at Bonham Bins Pod for all three of those platforms. As always, find us on the Parlay Sports app, P-R-L-Y Sports, which is the future of footballing conversation. And yes, folks, we will have more content coming up on our social media platforms in the next few weeks. We have just been absolutely flat to the math, flat to the math between yeah. exams and assignments. So yeah. we know we have neglected those a little bit over the past few weeks, but we will promise, I promise once we get exams and stuff out of the way, we, you will see a lot more content up on those platforms. Um, and as always, folks, thank you for listening. And keep a bottom bins. Keep a bottom bins. Keep a bottom bins.